Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Dribble drive Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating for the jam. It's kicks and bricks, where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Morris. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Naomi's back on the CW, so it's only right I have my boy, Cranston Johnson. Pull up on me. What's up, my guy? How you doing? What's going on, Jamal? How are you today? Naomi is one of the hottest new shows on the CW. Like, can you tell us what can we expect this season? Naomi is a new superhero to to a lot of people. The comic book hadn't been out for many years, so this year it's really focusing on telling the origin story of who she is. Uh, it's a lot of personal things that we're getting to learn about her more so before we get into all the supernatural and superhero superhero elements of her so it's a it's a slow storytelling like i said of the origin of who naomi is uh what she's going to become to be and her just learning to grasp what this what this means being a superhero and what all that entails the, the great responsibility with it. Oh, i was reading a lot of the reviews on instagram and on twitter you know most of it has been really positive um, are you happy with the way that the show's been received from the critics so far as far as my family, my friends, and then, you know, just extensions of them through their friends and other family members, uh, it's been it's been very well received. And it's always an honor to be on something. And and you feel like because some people will tell you, you know, just because they know you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm digging the show. Or I'm feeling it. But, you know, it's more so because you're on it. They're not really that much into it. They may not have watched it if you weren't on it. But um, I feel like it's been a lot of genuine love. Uh, for people getting to see this type of symbolism. Number one, with Naomi being a, a young Black teenager and growing into a superhero. So that's a lot of representation that sometimes is not told in that genre. So uh, yeah, the, the love has been great. On Naomi, your character is Zumbado. I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right. But, um, You're saying Frank, yeah. <laughs> what's the main <laughs> thing you want people to um, take away from that character? Well, Zambado is, first of all, he's very mysterious and he's kind of like unpredictable when we first see him. Um, he brings this dangerous element, this dangerous vibe of, you know, just this enigmatic character that you don't really know what's going to happen next with him. He's perceived as a threat very on, early on to Naomi. And, you know, that's rightfully so because in the comic books, he is, you know, the main antagonist in the Naomi storyline. So... What we're going to learn more as the as the story continues to evolve is that he may not be everything that you think he is. Uh, the tagline for the show is "Don't believe everything you think," and I think that that's uh, 
that's a perfect tagline when you're thinking of the Zimbardo character because he's gonna bring some elements um, that may surprise some people moving forward um, once we really understand what his motivation is. Basically, as the season goes on, like I think he might he might not be like a bad guy in the traditional sense, but he might like be kind of like an anti-hero, kind of like Batman. He's not like the nicest guy in the room, but you know, he has a code. Absolutely. And um, I love playing characters like that because I don't want people to be able to pinpoint what his angle, what his motivation is the moment that you see him. I want it to be something that that opens up dialogue. Um, you know, people talking, what is this Mbato character about? You know, because right now a lot of people, it's interesting because of course I know the storyline, but a lot of my friends and family who are watching, they're trying to get these little secrets out of me and they're like, you know, asking me these little things and they all have these interesting theories on where they think it's going. So it's it's kind of, it's fun sitting back and just kind of letting this whole thing materialize. And um, But yeah, I think you're on to something yeah. with what you said. Like the roles I've seen you in prior to um, Zumbado, I mean, prior prior to Naomi, um, like you really don't actually play roles like that, but did mm -hmm. Zimbardo um, kind of expand your, expand your range as an actor? Absolutely, because this is the first time that I've done anything um, on a supernatural scale of this size. I had smaller roles on some stuff that uh, had a little supernatural elements, but as far as being a series regular and being a, a main integral part of the storyline, this is something new and uh, it's refreshing to be able to play different characters. Cause I never really want to be put into a box and for people to type cast me as, oh, he's always the athlete or he's always the detective or he's always the dad or what, whatever it may be. We're always thankful for the work and you want to work, but at the same time you want to play like a wide range or at least I do a wide range of characters for you to be able to really see my range and for me to challenge myself and to try to be as believable as these different characters as I can be each time I show up on screen. So that's that's my ultimate goal. Facts, man. And like you said, like, and you needed those um supernatural powers, especially when you was getting beat up in that room in the um, P Valley in the VIP room. <laughs> but that's but that's but that's for later. We definitely want to get to that in a minute. You throw, you're throwing low blows at me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, has he seen has he seen more of Naomi than the first four episodes? <laughs> That's a good one, you man. Now, like you really don't see too many black superhero like sci-fi type of shows. Do you feel like a social response, a social responsibility to represent the underrepresented like like us in that genre? Absolutely. Uh Number one, I always feel a responsibility um, just for myself and my family whenever I put myself out. I want to do my best work. I want to, you know, challenge myself to do the best that I can do and, and be the best representation of myself and my family. But also, like you said, uh, as far as in this genre with superheroes, uh, you don't see a lot of diversity sometimes. And when you do see that diversity come along, uh, you definitely want to be someone that that is going to, I guess, set a bar or, you know, put something forth that maybe can open the door for more people who look like you, who sound like you to also get these opportunities in the future. So I, mm -hmm. I take that I take pride in all my work that I do, but I do think that there's a extra sense of pride when you're 
playing in a genre, playing in a role that's kind of underrepresented by your by your type or by your uh, ethnicity. And like, why do you think like black super, like the black superhero genre isn't like reflected that much in in film or on TV? Because like the only one I could think of is off the top of my head is on um, Black Panther recently. And mm -hmm. when I was little, we had static shot. You know, that's a that's a great question that that I don't have a direct answer for, but I think that there's just a lack of diversity sometimes across the board, not just with superhero stuff. It's with it's with with a lot of different genres. Uh, you know, that's one thing that I'm proud of with our show. We have a lot of diverse people in our cast. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not strong, strong in one area. I think we have a nice melting pot of everything. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I guess like anything else, uh, you know, sometimes people have to prove that they're valid enough to be in certain positions. Uh, Black Panther showed us that, you know, with the numbers that they did uh, as far as commercial success and also with just how great that storytelling was, um, that should show networks, that should show anybody writing these stories that, you know, we're worthy as well to tell these stories and there is an interest to see uh, other types of people playing these roles, so. While you were speaking, like, I thought about Blankman too. We can't forget about him. <laughs> the movie with Damon Wayans from back in the day. Absolutely, listen, it's, it's the Brown Hornet. You remember that? Do you remember the Brown the, Hornet from the Cosby Kids? The Brown kids? Hornet. Nah. It was a little, uh, cartoon on the Cosby Kids whenever, that was like their superhero that they would go and watch. See, I'm dating myself a little bit with my age. <laughs> But yeah, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of superheroes out there, mm -hmm. like you said, Black Man, the Brown Hornet, um, Luke Cage, you know, Black Panther, um, and Naomi. So it's exciting. Ava, she's attached to the project too. Like, what was it like working with um, her and a filmmaker of her caliber? Working with Ava DuVernay is is liberating. Um, that's one word that that I can think of off the head because. She's just so open to being creative um, with with the people that she brings aboard uh, to be members of her family is what she calls it. Uh, when I first got the call, you know, about having the role, it, it was her. She called me personally, uh, and you know, she was like, "This is my cell phone number. Your family now. You know, lock me in, and you know, let's let's create." And you know, so that's just exciting when you feel like someone just opens up mm -hmm. to you like that and. And they value your opinion and they they they're interested on what you've built for your character and you guys can just kind of work together to create this kind of this whatever the art needs to be you know it's just it's, it's a collaborative effort and to me that's that's all you can ask for as an actor uh so working with her was something that i had been hoping would happen for a while because i've been a fan of her work uh you know with the selma with the with the uh Queen Sugar and some of our other projects, the 13th, I've really been inspired by her and to get the opportunity to work, to work right with her side by side. It's been an honor and it's been inspiring to me. All right, so kind of looking into the future, we're on season one now, so, and like you said earlier, it's kind of like her origin story, so we're just getting started. But like looking into the future, like five, six, seven seasons down the road, like do you think Naomi has the potential to be one of the groundbreaking shows where like the focal point is a black character and people will be talking about that character like for years after the show is finished. I absolutely think that looking into the future that Naomi has 
potential to become iconic and to be groundbreaking and to be looked at in the likes of your Batmans and your Supermans and, and all of these things, because I just think that the world is changing. The world is becoming more progressive. And I think that characters like Naomi and the storylines that we're telling, because we're challenging, we're challenging viewers to not believe everything that you think, not only about our superheroes, what you've been told over the years, but just what you've been told in your general life. Um, we're challenging people to think for yourself, to do the research yourself, to be curious. And I think that if you can attach our show with that, with that thought process moving forward, it can be, you know, great symbolism for the future and it can, it can open many doors. So I absolutely think that Naomi can be groundbreaking and iconic once we look back on this show five to seven years, like you said. And one of the things I like about this show that like nobody really talks about, but is so obvious, like the main character is a, um, is a woman. And I think like that'll do like wonders, not only for the um, superhero genre, but just for women in general, like seeing a young lady playing such an important role that might open doors for other, for other um, women. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. That's why it, it was so important for me uh, being on this show to, uh, like I got some comic books signed for my niece She's 17, so she's the same age as uh, Naomi, uh, one of my best friends back in North Carolina. He has two younger daughters, one 17 and one, I think, 11 or 12. And I got them comic books as well as my little cousin, who's about to be two. But it's, it's very important, I think, for these young women to see someone like themselves playing, like you said, such a powerful role, um, being, a super, being a superhero and, you know, being responsible for all the, the wonderful things that Naomi will bring and show. And to me, that what can be more inspiring than that? Um, so to me, like I said, it's a great honor just being on the show. Casey, who plays Naomi, she's she's amazing on and off screen. And um, I'm so proud of her. And so so just looking forward to seeing her journey. And, um, you know, she just she just brings so much to the table as a as an actress and as just a human being. So it's an honor to work with her. Another groundbreaking show um, you was on, well, you was on for a few episodes was Atlanta. Like, what was it like working with Donald Glover, Lakeith Stanfield, and the rest of that crew? That was, you know, I think that was 2015 or 16. It was season one. And when I, when I saw that audition come through, I was already a Childish Gambino fan. And um, I had, I had, I was aware that Donald Glover wrote for like 30 Rock and I think he had did some other stuff kind of dabbling behind the scenes with writing and TV. So when I saw that show, I was like Atlanta and I saw his name on it and I was like, this show's gonna be huge. I remember telling some of my friends about it before I even booked the role. I was like, I'm excited about this audition. This show's, this show's gonna be big. And, um, and then when I was cast as, as Deshaun on there and I, and I got on set and meeting Paperboy played by Brian Tyree Henry uh, finding he's from North Carolina as well, like myself. So we kind of hit it off and we were just kind of talking about North Carolina a little bit. And then just Donald Glover and Lakeith, they were all welcoming and just, you know, I just kind of, that was, that was what, six, seven years ago. So at that time I was, I feel like I'm green now still, and I never want to lose my greenness and my eagerness and just excitement about working. But back then it was really like, 
a pinchy moment and like, oh man, I'm on this set. And I was just so excited about it. And I was just sitting back, kind of just observing them them do the work and, and just all of that. And again, like I use inspiring a lot, but that's what it was. It was just inspiration when I left there to work harder, to, to try to put myself in opportunities to, to continue being on shows and projects and around people like this. So I was, I was thankful and grateful for that. And um, that was well received also, as, as you already know, you know, that show, that mm-hmm. show's amazing. And I'm late to the Atlanta party. I recently just started watching it like a few weeks okay. ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting into it now, but like, were you a fan of the show, you know, prior to your appearance on the show? On Atlanta, well, I was I was in the first season. I did a couple episodes in the first season, so the show hadn't aired yet. But I was just a fan because I think I got, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I got to read the script for the episode that I was going to be in. And um, I really thought it was funny. And I really love, I love hip-hop music, you know, so it had that hip-hop element with Paperboy and all of that. And like I said, I was already a Childish Gambino fan. So I guess I was a fan even before I saw it because I just had a feeling that it was going to be it was going to be a good show even before seeing it. So I guess you could say, yeah, I was a fan. And I'm always a fan of stuff I get cast for. You know, you, you got to be a fan. The people believed in you and, and they cast you for the show. So you you have to be supportive of it and, and just, you know, ride that wave and that vibe of it. So was it hard for you to keep a straight face while you were filming your scenes on Atlanta? Yes and no. My... Cause I didn't, I didn't do a ton of work on that, but I, I do remember one of the scenes that I did was uh, about Paperboy being um, trolled online. He was being trolled by this guy who was one of the biggest, I don't know what you would call it, influencers or whatever on, online. And, and Paperboy was kind of really upset and wanting to go see this guy. And I was kind of like the voice of reason. So it, it was, it had some comedic elements to it, but it wasn't really anything that had me, you know, falling over. It, the scene wasn't really that tight. And then I got invited back for some other stuff that was in a club setting, and and, and it was some more funny stuff kind of going on with that. Um, but yeah, just just seeing those guys. I mean, they they all bring like they're like a list character work that they bring with Lakeith um, and, and and Donald and, and Brian Tyree Henry. They they really bring their a game and the characters that they have, which is so. So fleshed out, it like I said, it inspired me to, to work harder and step my game up too. If it's on top or down below, having well-groomed hair or no hair at all is important to every man on the dating scene. Manscaped is the world leader in men's grooming and hygiene products. They offer the best tools and liquid formulation for the three main odor zones for your body, butt, and balls. Manscaped has helped me out on countless date nights and pleasurable after-hour adventures. They've hooked me up with a lot of stuff from their Perfect Package 4.0 kit. The Lawnmower 4.0 is cordless and water-resistant, so you can trim your sensitive areas in the shower. It features a wireless charging system with LED lights to show how much juice your trimmer has left. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner spread for a full day's worth of body protection. The crop cleanser makes sure the rest of your body is clean. The kit also includes the ball shaving mat called the Magic Mat, Manscaped boxers, a t-shirt, and the Shed Travel Bag. Just go to manscaped.com and use the promo code KICKS, that's K-I-C-K-Z, and save 20% on your order. Another show that you were on that the streets need back is on P-Valley. Like, when can we expect that show to come back? 
You know what? I'm not sure when it's coming back. I saw that uh, Katori, who's the, the show creator, Katori Hall, shout out to Katori Hall. Um, she's great. She's great. Uh, but I saw they released some kind of teaser for the upcoming season a couple of weeks ago. And uh, but I'm I'm itching and waiting to kind of see what's going on with it with it as well because I got to do three episodes the first season um, near the latter part of the season and that was that was a ride that was great and I and I say that because that's the first time that I've been cast as a villain and and a project and to me I've always loved playing villains and wanted to play villains and got the most excited about watching villains on TV. So Katori is the first person that cast me to play a villain. And I'm thankful for that because before that, I played a lot of detectives. I played a lot of like, just the military kind of straight edge, clean cut type. Um, so getting to play the villain and kind of like, like you said, try to rough people up or get roughed up as you as you like to say. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. And um, since that role, I've been able to play a villain in, in a couple of other projects. So, you know, once again, I feel like that kind of opened the door that maybe people saw me in their light and they were like, he, he's, he's a good villain. And, um, you know, let's bring him back for some more of that. So I'm thankful for Tikatoria and P-Valley. So you like playing Montavious then, since you like playing the I, bad guy? I did. It was fun. Because to me, playing <laughs> the villain and the bad guy, there's... Mm -hmm you don't have as many restraints on your character. I feel like you can be, like I said before, you can be more unpredictable. You can kind of be a mystery and kind of just, the whole dangerous element to me is just more exciting to watch than than the opposite. Kind of looking back now, cause the show aired what, like, I think like two years ago or whatever, but like mm -hmm. Montavious, he's giving me like current Kanye West vibes right now. Okay. Why <laughs> elaborate on that. <laughs> All right. so. The girl Autumn ex escaped from him, from mm -hmm. wherever they came from. He followed her, mm -hmm. went through all this stuff just to get, just to find her location. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's stuff Kanye would do, basically. Well, I think that that's what anyone would do that is in love with someone, and you feel like maybe you've been wronged and you want answers. You know, uh, not justifying anything that Montavious did, but, you know, I know I've been in relationships that may have not ended on the best terms. And sometimes you want a closure or you want answers or you just mm -hmm. want, oh, you want you want some get back, for lack of better words. You know, <laughs> you, you want revenge. And, um, you know, so I don't, I don't, you know, I think that's for a lot of people that exhibit those characteristics, um, that energy. And now that you say that, like, I read like a while ago that that whole storyline kind of opened up a lot of like wounds for some of the viewing audience. Cause a lot of women, they kind of went through what Autumn went through, like escaping the dangerous Absolutely. type of dude. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, you have to tread lightly and kind of be delicate. We are artists and, you know, a lot of the art does imitate life and vice versa. But yeah, no, that, that's a real situation that I could see how that could be traumatic to some viewers that may have uh, experienced similar stories. Because a lot of these stories that we see, you know, some of them are just thought up out of the blue, but a lot of them are basically coming from real life experiences, whether they're from the writer or whether they're coming from someone that the writer knows or has, has heard about. So, you know, that's, 
that's real. Those type of stories happen every single day. And it's unfortunate, um, you know, with the art, the, the one thing that, that, that we can say is there was a triumph for Autumn at the end. You know, she was able to overcome some of her demons and, you know, I don't know what season two is exactly going to hold, but, you know, it looks like she's going to elevate herself to, to, a, to a higher position off of, you know, some of the negative stuff that she was able to overcome in her past. So, you know, I, I, I like how that ended. You know, the last time we saw your character, like you was getting served up in that VIP room. Um, <laughs> is Matavius really dead or can like, can we, or is that whole storyline kind of open-ended? Like, can we expect them to pop back up at some point again? I don't know. You, you're just going to have to tune in, Jamal. When, whenever, you know, the season rolls back around, you just, you just have to tune in. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away and, and spoil your, your viewing experience, you know? So, <laughs> how would the college version of yourself react if you entered the pink as a college athlete or just as a young college dude? You know what? The pink would have not existed when I was in college as far as an experience because I rarely had any money to put in my car when I was in college. You know, when my mom was able to send me up a few dollars. You know, it would usually go to CDs because I remember it was a CD store. CDs used to get released on every Tuesday. We would go buy CDs and then put gas in the car. And like after that, like really nothing else was left over. I was on a full scholarship at Western Carolina. So back during those times, you weren't able to work um, if you were on full scholarship because it would be an NCAA violation. So financially, I wasn't I wasn't able to go to the pink and and, and tip anybody ones and, and throw away any of that money. I was, I was, I was savoring the money my mom sent to me and I was, I was spending it on, on the, on the good things that I needed. <laughs> Smart man. But I'm sure if you went up to any type of establishment back then, you and your teammates being on the football team, I'm sure you guys would have got the VIP treatment. Maybe, maybe. Well, I didn't, I didn't play it like a, at a, uh, University of Nebraska or, or or Ohio State. I played at a small school, Western Carolina. So, you know, we got a little love in the community, but it wasn't to what you might get if you played for a Clemson or something of that nature. We're we're kind of small time, but you know, it was free schooling. I have no college uh, debt, and I'm thankful for that because I know a lot of people are struggling with that. So, you know, it was a good experience. Uh, but yeah, we're a small school, so we people weren't rolling out the red carpet for us at all. <laughs> what was your time like at Western Carolina um, as a football player? You know what? It was a, it was a a very looking back on it. I met some great people. Uh, one of my best friends I met there, uh, and you know I've I've been friends with this guy now, going on you know two three decades almost, and like I'm really thankful for him and their relationship and. Sometimes we talk like, cause you know, he was supposed to go to a bigger school and you know, it's just funny how life kind of works. You know, he wasn't able to go to the bigger school and then, you know, we meet there and we kind of had this great relationship, but you know, it was, it was, it was, to me, it was wonderful. Like I said, I was kind of on cloud nine. I was on a full ride. I was the three year starter for the football team. We didn't have the best records while we were up there, but you know, my senior year, we ended up beating our our, our conference rival, which was App State. 
Um, and we had a winning season. So it, it ended well. I got my degree in sport management and it was, it was a good experience. Uh, I probably would appreciate it more being who I am now being older. Cause it was, it was up in the mountains, you know, it's a beautiful part of the, the state, Western North Carolina, but you know, it's a bunch of fishing and, and just kind of nature out there, which I'm more in tune with that stuff now than I was when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, so now I probably, Cranston now at my age would go up there and would love being in Cullowee. That's the name of the city that it was in. But back then it was just more about the football and just kind of making relationships, meeting people and stuff like that. I wasn't really too thrilled about the, the location of it. Do you have any like favorite memories about your football career that stands out? High school, high school, uh, beating, beating our, 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 our rivals, man, Hunter Huss. That's, that always stands out to me is Gastonia pretty much was two high schools when I was growing up, Hunter Huss and Ashbrook. And, um, it's a lot of history with basketball there. Some like hall of fame basketball players played, but, uh, just kind of beating them, uh, whenever we got the opportunity to probably was like my highlight because my high school team was really good. Uh, we never won a state championship, but you know, we were, we were really good my senior year. So, um, those probably memory memories stand out the most out of everything. Did you take like anything from the discipline of football and apply it to acting? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. Number one is like perseverance. Um, perseverance is, is a very important part of our business because you get told no a lot and you don't necessarily get told no because you're not good enough to have the job. You just maybe get told no because um, you were great, but the other guy was just a little bit better or the other guy's resume is just a little bit better than yours or you're just a little bit too tall to be playing opposite of the actress that we have, or you're too short, it could be anything. So you get told no a lot and you have to really develop this thick skin and you have to persevere through these no's and you have to keep showing up every day when you have a new audition come through. So the perseverance, the discipline to, to study, to work hard on your craft, whether that's taking classes, whether that's reading books, or whether that's just showing up to your auditions on time, making a good impression. All of that discipline was instilled through me through sports because in sports, you have a very strict itinerary that you have to follow. You gotta be in weights at 8 a.m. You gotta be, you know, study hall at 12. So taking on all of those things. And then finally, just kind of having a short memory because so what you dropped a touchdown pass or so what you gave up a touchdown pass in the first quarter that doesn't determine the outcome of the game. You can get an interception or you can score a touchdown in the second quarter that can help you win. So I, I, I use that same philosophy with my auditions. So what? I didn't just get this audition to be in this movie. Another audition is going to come through that email. I don't know, tomorrow, today, or whenever. And you know what? That's the new focus. That's what I have to put my energy into. I can't bring in this baggage from the old stuff and let that bring me down. So I, I would say being a former athlete has helped me so much with, with acting. I always ask the athletes that made the transition to acting, like mentally, like, what do you think is hardest? Like being in front of a camera or being in front of, you know, a set of people for, uh, for an audition or going through like the everyday grind of football? Um, football, definitely. I think football definitely was just harder because it's just more physically taxing on your body. Um, 
just the long, the long practices of, you know, just the exhaustion working through that. Also the injuries, like I messed my knee up a couple of times, never, never severe enough to, to have surgery, but you know, you know, you get banged up and I still have injuries to this day that, that kind of bother me a little bit for my football career. Um, so it's kind of totally two different animals, but to me, that physical and just that mental drain of, of, of the practice every day and, and sometimes like having rough seasons and, and, you know, getting, getting smashed out there. Like to me, that's way tougher than having to go into an audition. To me, the difficult part of going into auditions sometimes is just the nerves. Um, you know, it's like a good fear. And it's not a fear like you're scared for your life, but it's just like a good fear that you want to do well and you want to put your best foot forth. So sometimes, you know, you just have these butterflies and you have to like, you know, kind of just work that out. So it doesn't um, derail your, 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 your audition or whatever, but it's, it's two different animals, but yeah, I, I would say playing sports to me was, was much more difficult as far as the day-to-day grind. When did you decide, you know, football is over and I want to jump into acting? Like at what point in your life did you decide that? You know, when I got into acting, it was it was completely accidental how I got into acting. I got into acting, um, I got invited to work as an extra in this movie they were shooting in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It was called The Fifth Quarter. And the girl that I was dating, she uh, she was wanting to do a favor for 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 some people and they knew that I had played football and they were hired on to work on the film as like uh as like a consultant. Um so she signs me up for this job and I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm not going out there to to be in a movie. What are you talking about? Like I have no acting experience. And it wasn't even about the acting experience. You know what the part that really just kind of pissed me off? It was like I was just on some stuff like you didn't ask me, you didn't come to me about this. You just volunteered me. So whether it was me kind of like, I don't know, being nervous about their going out there and failing or whether it was just me having a little ego, like, look, you need to clear this up with me before you okay me to go do stuff. But anyway, long story short, I eventually go out there after blowing these people off. I didn't go to the first meeting that they actually wanted me to go to. So again, she chews me out and she says, will you please go to this meeting? You're making me look bad. I told these people you were gonna come and I was like, fine, I'll go. Don't invite me to anything else or don't sign me up for anything else. So I go out there, I get I, I get out there and basically they have me doing background extra work. So I'm part of the background talent. I don't have any lines. And um, they have me dressed as a football player and we're just out there doing stuff to make the football stuff look authentic. And then, you know, I was out there probably three weeks on this job and um, they paid us like $200 a day, which at the time, I was so thankful for that money. Um, you know, I had been working just odd jobs, trying to kind of figure out what I was going to do in life. And so I made about, after after everything was done, I made about $3,000 or something. And not only did I make that, but I had the, the most fun that I had had in a long time. Because number one, it was just like being back on a football team because it was a big group of guys that they had assembled for the team. So we were just cutting up. It really felt like being on a team again, minus the games and the hard practices. So I was like, I missed that locker room camaraderie. And also, this was like a legit real movie. I thought it was going to be just like some some bootleg kind of thing or, you know, some low budget type, you know, somebody out there with a home video camera or something. But it was like a really 
full scale movie with like a nine million dollar budget. And I didn't even know North Carolina had things like this going on. So I was just like blown away. I was seeing people that I had saw on TV. And um, I guess people say you catch the acting bug and that's what they that's what they mean. Right. So I ended up following up with the people who gave me the job and, you know, kind of asked them, you know, like I'm interested in potentially trying to do this again. Just, you know, here's my contact information, please. If anything comes back through, follow up with me. And they did, they, they invited me to a workshop about six months later. And um, they put us in front of some agents at the end of the workshop and let us present what we had learned over the course of the six months. And then I ended up getting an agent. And, and, and like they say, the, the rest is kind of history. So I want to give a shout out to Alter Casting, Phil Newsom, and Ann Guill, because they were responsible for putting that workshop together. And had they not done that, I, I can guarantee you that I would, would not be right here with you on this uh, interview, Jamel, and I would not be an actor because I thought you had to be in LA. I thought you had to be in New York to become an actor. It, it didn't make sense to me in North Carolina where I was at. So it's just, it's funny how stories work out. Hey Amen. And that just shows to, and that just proves that everything happens for a reason. Yes. Yes. It happens for a reason. And when it's your time, it's your time. Um, because some people tell me, they were like, well, you know, if you would have started studying when you were in high school, studied drama and majored in it in college, don't you think you'd be a lot further? And, and, and I don't like to think about that because I felt like acting happened for me at the perfect time that it was supposed to, you know, I, I came in with a wealth of life experience that I could use in my work and had this happen when I was younger, that, that wouldn't have been the case. And you just never know. You take things for granted sometimes when you get them earlier on in life. You know, I, I got it at a time when I was a mature, older adult. And, you know, I really appreciated it. And I saw my opportunity and I ran with it. And I, I worked my behind off to get where I'm at. Once you got bit by the acting bug, so to speak, like, did you pattern yourself after anyone, like, given, like, you didn't have any, you know, theater or any other type of experience? Well, I have, I have three people that I kind of consider idols of mine as far as in the craft that they're my favorite actors and probably subconsciously I've borrowed some stuff from them. I've never intentionally was like, oh, I'm going to steal that wink that he does on that. But, you know, mm -hmm. Jamie Foxx, Denzel and Will Smith, to me, that's kind of like the bar for me. Um, it's a lot of great actors out there. Like, I really like Jonathan Major's work now. Like, he's somebody that anytime something comes on that he's in, I have to watch it. Mahershala Ali, same way. Um, but when I was getting started out, it was kind of like Will, Jamie Foxx, and Denzel. And, um, you know, I would just kind of sit back and ask myself sometimes, like, what are they doing that makes them so interesting? And I would try to focus on doing, doing some of that stuff. Because, you know, when you get started, you tend to overact a lot. And I just noticed you know, especially with Denzel, just how relaxed and how organic his conversation was and um, nothing was really forced. So yeah, ab absolutely. Studying those guys, I felt like helped me out. And, and you know, you can kind of just pick and choose little things that, that you want to work on. And cause that's, that's the main key to this craft. You never can stop learning. It's, it's, it's an ongoing study. You always have to be training yourself and, and working on making yourself better. All right, so like, who do you think are some of like the best football players that turn actors? For me, um, it has to be Terry Crews, but I know there's more, but that's just 
that's, great question. That's, that's, great question. You know, somebody that popped in my head right away, Eddie George. So, oh yeah, I forgot I, about him too. Yeah. Listen, I haven't seen a lot of his work, but I tell you what I did see, and I'm not into theater as much. I haven't seen a lot of stuff like um, as far as plays and, and things of that nature. I want to start learning more about it, but I saw him in a in a in Chicago. And it was uh, it was at the Durham Performing Arts Center in North Carolina. And um, it's probably about four years ago, maybe. And he was so good. And I was like, wow, this is like this transition that he made from the NFL to the stage is, is very impressive. And I was really like just in, like I said, again, inspired by that, because, you know, sometimes when you have people that go from you know, sports to music, or they go from sports to acting or vice versa, your brain automatically tells you that this is not what they're, they're normally doing. And you already kind of have this filter set up to where you put limitations or expectations on them. But he was, he was really, really good. And I remember I sent him a tweet on Twitter and, and it was just like, I really, I enjoyed seeing you. And and he responded back and I was like, you know, it was really cool that, you know, cause I had saw some interviews where he was just talking about, it was a big transition for him taking on that challenge of playing that role, but that guy didn't miss a beat. So Eddie George, definitely offhand. Um, Thomas Jones, Thomas Jones, I got to meet him um, on a set of P Valley actually. Um, and you know, I've seen him in Luke Cage. I've seen him in a lot of other stuff um he's doing very well his, his transition from um the nfl to acting um i can't really think of any others offhand right now but um, you know I'll isaac keys he's um isaac keys he's in a power series right now i think which one he's in power force the new one that just came out like last week okay i've watched the first two episodes is he is he the guy that got released from prison yeah, yeah, that's him. okay. Okay, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm enjoying, and I've watched the first two episodes. I didn't know he had a background um, in sports and, and football. We tackled this thing, you know, no pun intended. We tackled this crap with just like a different energy than some people do, and we're so determined to be successful in whatever it is we do. So with that perseverance, that that discipline, and all that, you know. You got a little bit of creativity to go along with that. I think the sky, the sky's the limit for former athletes getting into acting. So, which current NFL players you think would make good actors? Like, I think Antonio Brown would be interesting. On Antonio would be very good to watch. <laughs> Absolutely, because I, I I watched him on a podcast and I was just like, it's just very interesting um, seeing him seeing him talk and like it's just somebody that I kind of want to hear what he has to say. Um I think that uh I think that Odell Beckham Jr. probably would be good. Um who else? Who were some big personalities I in think, the NFL? I think Cam Newton would be pretty would be come on pretty entertaining. Carolina Panthers, you know, you know that's that's my guy. Um uh, so yeah I, I definitely think Cam would be good good as well. But yeah, um, who else? I don't, I can't think of anybody else right mm -hmm. offhand. But the ones that we said, uh, the ones that we said would be really, really good. All right. So um, before we go, I want to play a game called Start Bench Cut. You know, I'll just name three things, and you just tell me if you're gonna start it, bench it, or cut it. All right. Okay. 
All right. The, the first one is football movies. We have Remember the Titans, Jerry Maguire, or Concussion. So the one that I'm starting is Remember the Titans. See, you put me on the spot. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm starting all of them. I like all of those movies. You put me on the spot, Jamal. I'm not falling for that. You put me on the spot. I'm starting all of them. Jerry Maguire was great. Concussion was great. Will Smith's role as the doctor, the accent, all of that. And CT is so interesting. And Denzel and Remember the Titans. I love that. And, you know, who can't forget uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s performance and um, Jerry Maguire. So I'm starting all three. All right, bro. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today. Like, do you have any other upcoming projects that you're working on? Right now, I'm just enjoying living the family life with my wife and my dog. Um, and, you know, but, you know, as it always does, something will come along and we're reading for some other stuff right now, but nothing that we can, um, nothing we can finalize at this moment to, to speak about. But, you know, we just enjoying, enjoying the journey and, and keeping it moving. But thank you for your time today. I appreciate you, Jamel. I appreciate you too, no, and, and thank you for your um, time. Have a good one.